Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, nice to have you along for the ride tonight. Blue Jays leading Cleveland 1-0 in the top of the sixth. We'll keep an eye on that one for you. Elks home to the Bombers tomorrow, 5.30 countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Chad hosted by Brendan Escott. And then the play-by-play with Morley and Dave starts at 7. Dave will join us in a second here. Uh, 780-496-0063, our off-topic topic, the first time you attended an in-person sporting event in Edmonton in your life. Now, I am specifying Edmonton because, and as I just said, I, I have a friend who uh, moved from Ontario a few months ago, and she went to an Oilers game in March. See, she'd been to other sporting events, but I want to know Edmonton. Uh, Aiden Gannam, give me a couple from the uh, text line, please. For sure. Uh, this first one's from Shelby. She said the Sabres were in Edmonton. She won the tickets at an Edson Minor hockey tournament, which was pretty funny. She said she saw Pat, Lof- uh, Pat LaFontaine, mistook him for Guy Lafleur, and her dad was crushed when, uh, when, when she said that. And she apparently he yelled, that is not Lafleur at the Coliseum. It was her first game. Shelby and Swan Hills. Uh, misidentifying, mistaking Pat LaFontaine for Guy Lafleur. Yeah. This next one's from Cam. Um, doesn't say exactly where he's from, just from Alberta. He said, there must have been an earlier game, but um, the one he vividly remembers, this one's a little special, was the 1989 NHL All-Stars game at Northlands Coliseum. Oh, when Must have been all Oilers for that. And Rob Brown. Yeah. Well, and Gretzky as a king, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that would be a pretty cool first or early game to go to, an NHL All-Star game. That's awesome. Okay, we'll weave those into the show as we move along tonight as uh, Dave Campbell, who's the producer of this program and uh, our Elks analyst for our broadcast here on 630 Chad. Dave, how are you? Good evening, Reed. Doing good. How are you? That's good. I, I'm doing great. All right, so I, I texted you this about an hour ago, and I said, hey, I think this might be fun, so don't tell me. But what's yours? They said, well, I said at 5.30, I said, don't tell me, but think about it and give it to me at 6.30. Uh, November 15th, 1981, Commonwealth Stadium, uh, green and gold against the BC Lions, uh, Western Division final, uh, Edmonton won 22-15, went with my uh, Aunt Denise, uh, who's a big football fan. And I had to confirm this. I actually found the game on YouTube, and I'm like, I have to confirm that I that I remember something that actually happened because I, I remember that was a tough game. And I think then the lions were winning for much of the second half until I think it was earlier midway in the fourth quarter, Warren moon at midfield hits Brian Kelly on a long pass and, and scores a touchdown and the double uh, E would not look back. They would head to the gray cup and uh, beat the Ottawa rough riders. And uh, that's my first sporting event in Edmonton. Well, that's a pretty special one, a playoff game during the five-in-a-row era. And as Brian Kelly said on this show about three weeks ago, he never caught a pass from a quarterback who didn't wind up in the Hall of Fame. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And I also remember as well the yard markers, because you remember back then they would, they would, they would have the, they would, they would, paint the, the five yard line 10 15 20 instead of 10 20 30 40 50 55 you know that sort of thing so i always remember that as well so i'm a bit of a a, a classic sports nerd as well so and i they, always remember that i don't remember that they painted the yep. the fives instead of the tens 
they no, they painted the fives and the tens and the fifteens and the twenties. So oh, there everything was a lot had of the number by it. Everything. Oh, I don't. Everything. Jeez, I don't remember. We're the same age. I don't even remember that. Wow. There's things that you remember that I don't, and there's things I remember that you don't, and that's well, what and that's, getting older is all about, man. Now that is the only somewhat dangerous part to doing a segment about this is that people's <laughs> memories aren't always completely clear, right? Uh, and sometimes yeah. two different games get combined into one. And I know I even got a text from a couple of buddies and I was thinking like, uh, pretty sure that wasn't the score in that game, right? But still, <laughs> it's still it's still a memory. And, and still, again, as I was saying to Randy Kilburn, that, I mean, be, you're not born a sports fan. It's not as no. if you, I mean, I guess some people might be drawn to things or whatever, but at some point you... You see something on television, or I think more likely you go to an event and you think to yourself, this is great. I want to come back or I want to follow this. Yeah, you're hooked. And, yeah, and you're you hooked. know, in, in this town, there's been two dominant teams and certainly who've had successful eras. But, you know, like for he went to an Edmonton Flyers game. Maybe somebody went to a, a U of A game. And then when you see it in person, and especially if you're young and and you don't know about salaries and you know the politics behind it or the yeah. or scandals that can be behind it or anything like that, and you just think I like watching this and I want to do this again, right? And that's that's often when it can start. So that's there's a lot of there's a lot of purity to that, right? The first time you experience something in person and then think this is something I I probably want to watch for the rest of my life. Well, and just to be part of something, I mean. You know, I, I remember the day. It was, you know, it was cold. It wasn't. It wasn't the coldest day ever. Thank goodness. But you remember the roar of the crowd, and, and that's the one thing about being, you know, at a sporting event cheering on your home team. And when something magical happens, that you know, I witnessed with Warren Moon and to Brian Kelly for the winning touchdown that would end up being the winning touchdown. You just remember the the electricity. In, in in the stadium at the time and i think that's what you take away all the time is you're just looking for recreations of that moment so uh it's always cool to cheer on the home team for sure and you know like I, i've seen sporting events as a just an observer you know if i you know i've been to arizona three times and i've seen three hockey games and two baseball games and you know one uh, one nba game and it's fun but when it's you got no skin in the game it's a little different right so but you know when you have a memory of watching your home team uh, win a game and have a great moment and just feel the, 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 the crowd and how excited they are and the energy. You, you, like, you take it away forever. Yeah, that's a good way to put it for sure. Okay, we'll, we'll weave in uh, and get a couple more messages ready. We'll bring them in a couple minutes. We'll weave in those as we move along tonight. It's already been fun hearing this from people. Okay, uh, let Trey cook as some listeners texted it on Friday night. Uh, <laughs> what's a, what does a successful recipe look like <laughs> tomorrow night for Trey Ford? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, how about no turnovers? Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm setting the bar too high. I don't know. Uh, this is strange, right? Because it was only what three weeks ago that Chris Jones came out, the head coach, and it basically said Trey Ford isn't playing well enough, and he's got to play better and basically have kind of the, the right attitude during practice. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, or you know, a month to three weeks later, he's a starting quarterback. But um, I, I, I'll, I'll put two numbers out. Um, if he can get 250 yards passing, okay, let me lower it a bit. How about 235 yards passing, 80 yards rushing? That's a good night for Trey Fort. And if he can stay clean, 
if he can uh, limit the turnovers, if he can get a touchdown or two on the ground and in the air, I think we, we're seeing progress, right? So you got to let him, like you say, let Trey cook. That just means just let him do what he does. And I think with the change to Jarius Jackson as offensive coordinator, um, I, I think that's what Jarius is going to try and do is just what do you like? What playbook can we tailor for you? You know, and not revamping the whole the whole thing because they can't. They're going to use elements of, you know, what the system was with Stephen McAdoo, but they're just going to refine it. And, and they're going to bring in plays that, you know, hopefully will allow the team to move up and down the field a little bit more uh, fluidly than it was before. So, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I'd say 235 passing, 80 yards rushing. That would be a good night for Trey Fort. Yes, and, you know, points, of course, are always nice. Oh yes, points. Yeah, uh, which, that too. which they don't, which they don't always get, and it's uh, it's still a challenge though for the O line, right? I mean, look, they, they yeah. changing the quarterback and the OC. Uh, I, I think it's the same O line. You'll correct me if there's a change or two. Yep, it's the same. But that's a, that's another thing. I mean, as as much as as Corny was not accurate and wasn't confident, he didn't always have time, and some of his passes got deflected or batted down. At uh, like, can Ford though make them? look a little better or buy them time just with his mobility i think he has that ability more than taylor cornelius and we know that taylor can get out of trouble because he's mobile as well but i think we saw the indecisiveness of of cornelius enough to you know that it would frustrate you i think ford is someone that knows if if the lane's there he's taking it you know he's not going to waste time he's going to try and throw the ball first there's no question because that's what he wants to do anyway but he knows his his legs are a weapon and you know go back to the preseason game here uh against the bombers and he made some nice plays that made uh bomber defenders kind of you know they 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 had their head on the swivel and they look kind of silly at times so trey's just got to use his his assets and his legs are a definite weapon. And you're right. The O-line has been uh, poor. I believe pro football focus, uh, they rate them as the worst O-line in the league. Um, and, you know, it's funny because Mark Cordy was having a good year, and I think overall he is. Lately, he hasn't had a good uh, number of games. And then you go down the line, you know, Martez Ivy has been okay. But then the last couple games, not so much. And same with David Foucault, uh, Thomas Jackardilla. But Brett Boyko's come in and played pretty well the last – you know, two of the last three games. The one game he didn't play well was against the Palmers three weeks ago and had a really hard time with uh, Jackson Jeffcoat and, and with Willie Jefferson. But I think Trey Ford is someone that, you know, if he sees the lane and if he feels the heat, he's going get to get out of trouble. And now how do the Bombers adjust to that? That'll be interesting as well. Well, and that's what I'm hoping is that we're actually making a defense adjust as opposed to a defense saying they're throwing five yards down the field, so let's crowd the receivers, (laughs) and then they'll only throw three, and then they're really not going to get a first down. Uh, All right, and and of course, the Elks' defense has to go up against an offense that just scored 50 points, which we we should remember, but of course, a lot of the focus is on Trey Ford and the offense this week. Uh, Dave, will you be able to, Aiden, is it connected so Dave can hear you too if you read texts? 
I think he can. Did you I get that? So. Yeah, I can hear him. Okay, so give us a couple more from our cool. off-topic topic. This First. one's from Tony. He says, hey, Reed, I was seven or eight years old, and my sister won tickets to an Oilers game versus the Avalanche either in 1999 or 2000. We ended up only having two tickets, so my dad decided to sell the tickets and get the same tickets, so just four, so they could all go together. Unfortunately, they lost, but it was his first sporting event in Edmonton. Wow. So let's, <laughs> So they won two tickets. Yeah. And his dad sold them for a profit. Yeah. And then they bought four tickets so the whole family could go. Yeah. Wow. Well, so a lesson in sports and business, Dave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work, but hey, good on them. Yeah. The next one's uh, from Jace. My first Oiler game was about eight or nine years old. My grandfather took me, and he was connected well. He took me down to the Oilers' dressing room to meet everyone. My favorite Oiler at the time was Tommy Salo. He tried on his helmet and was disgustingly soaked in sweat, but he was happy. <laughs> but they were happy. I remember his pads were about the same size as me. That was from Jace. Uh, well, if you've... Uh, yes. Well, anybody who... Uh, Hockey players and equipment stink. Yeah. And they oh. they are sweaty. <laughs> Big <laughs> but, time. But good for you for putting the mask on. That's what a memory. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Ken. My very first organized sporting event was the Edmonton Oilers versus the Calgary Cowboys in approximately 1974 at Northlands Coliseum. The thing that I remember the most is that the players dropped the gloves and had a line brawl before the puck dropped to start the game from Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Affectionately called the good old days. Yes. Well, I remember Al Hamilton saying, I know I can't remember if it was a game from Al Hamilton. It might have been when he went to the WHA in a preseason game. And he was saying there were so many fights, the puck was the safest thing on the ice. <laughs> Ever got touched. I believe it. <laughs> All right. Those are fun. Keep those coming in. Uh, Dave, thanks for hopping on. I'll see you at the stadium tomorrow. Have a good broadcast. You betcha, buddy. Thank you. All right, that is Dave Campbell teeing up the Elks and the Bombers tomorrow night. It's on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 7. And uh, we're also asking you for your memory of the first in-person sporting event you attended in Edmonton. Doesn't have to be Oilers, doesn't have to be Elks or Double E. Uh, I mean, a lot of them will be, but uh, we were getting some, uh, some nice ones, some humor, some emotion. Love that coming in. Uh, we got, uh, well, uh, should I tell them who's at 7.05? Might as well. It's Aiden Ganim's dad, Shay. Sometimes he comes on this show. Has he ever taken you to a sporting event? He's taken me to a couple in my lifetime, you okay, could say. Well, maybe we can talk about those. Back in a couple of minutes, Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. If you go back and look at the games that I did play, like I played in the Hamilton game and then I played the last game of the season last year against BC, and I think I only had under 10 rushing attempts in each of those games. I mean, I had over 20 something passing right so I mean I, I do still throw the ball I mean I run when I need to and I mean shoot I mean if you told me I had to run the ball 300 times in the game and we were going to win I'd run the ball 300 times you told me I had to throw it 700 I'd throw it 700 so wh- whatever it is whether it's throwing or rushing I think the most important job for the quarterback is to get the wins yeah just move the ball that is Trey Ford getting ready to face the Blue Bombers tomorrow 7804960063 is the certainty hotline 
is uh, first memory of attending an Edmonton sporting event in person. Professor Walt is on the line. Uh, Walt, I don't think you've ever called me before, have you? I did the Vin Scully impersonation for you. Oh, geez, that was a while ago, wasn't it? You betcha it was. Of course it was. Now, what are you a professor of? I'm a professor of psychology, and uh, I've got tremendous amount of students past 15 years. All of them are working. I'm very proud of them in the community, and every one of them volunteers, so it's a great thing, Boys and Girls Club. uh, What school are you at? I was CDI College, and I've been there for 15 years, and we work uh, solely with the community and mainly with uh, literacy and uh you know, the kids come up with the sports, but they're going to do the homework, too. So it's lots of fun. Awesome. Okay, All what's right. your memory? Gonna, i, I got to tell you, the 75, and it's the big Z, who sadly passed away yesterday. People don't know. It was then Andrewsition. And the Argos are in town at Old Clark Stadium. Place is packed. He kicks the ball the length of the field. It was a southern win that night. Right. Imagine Halsey would have lost his mind. But it was at halftime. So it's literally halftime. The ball goes into the end zone right in front of us. And there's four offensive linemen that come running down because the ball's still in the end zone. Larry Highbaugh literally walks over to the ball and stands there with his arms crossed. He won't pick it up. And you can see them running across the field, helmets off the whole nine. You can hear the crowd laughing. It's right in front of us, and he's, he's not moving. You can hear one guy yelling, come on, Larry, i got to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, you see Leo Cahill coming out, and he's throwing his arms in the air like John Madden screaming, get down there. The whole Argo team comes running out, and that's the side where Clark Stadium, if you remember it, where the Eskimos were. Ray Yock and Bruce Lemmerman are on the ground laughing, and he comes running. The Big Z's got to run the whole damn field. One guy looked like he threw a cigarette out. And he comes running all the way to the end zone, and Larry Highball lifts his leg and kicks the ball behind him and just darts off the field laughing and, and says the bye-bye thing to the boys. Later, fellas, you son of a... Oh, my God, it was the funniest story. I wish they'd have the film footage because it was on CBC. Larry, something to watch. Uh, Larry Highball, from my recollection and stories, and he passed a few years ago... Uh, Arguably one of the greatest all-round athletes ever to play in this city. Is that fair? That's right. Larry played at uh, most of the schools. He was our school, and he played a, a basketball against everybody kind of thing. He was a guy that gave back to, to everybody. He's just a tremendous role model and mentor. And most games after that that you went to, if he wasn't there knocking the ball down, he was picking it off. Right. But it was, it was his returns. He would have been sort of the first giz. And it was really funny because they played BC right after that. I might as well just tell you this quick story. But Eagle Keys and him traded him, and after they said he was a player of the year. So he ran the ball back on BC, and he took the ball, and he threw it right at Eagle Keys, and he hit him. He hit him on the sideline because that was the trade. And what happened for the Eskimos in the 70s, to be real quick for you, Halsey will agree with me, was they traded, and they gave Edmonton Ron Estee, Tom Wilkinson, and Larry Highball and Bob Howes right. for, yeah. a, for a bag of pucks. So they gave them their destiny, yeah, that's which incredible. was, you know, come in the 70s. They unbelievable that they didn't know at the time, but All there right. you go. So, well, thank you. That in. Professor Walt, thank you. Right on, man. Thanks. Great show. 780-496-0063. We also have Noah standing by. Noah, fire away. Yeah, my first uh, sporting event I went to in Edmonton, it was uh, 2006, round two, game three against the Sharks. I was in grade five. Um, I was never really an Oilers fan before that. Neither was my dad, really, but he got those tickets given to him. That was that triple overtime game when Horkoff got the game-winning goal. And Oh, right. Was that the yeah. one uh, Rolison made that great glove save? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then... 
Then he got his teeth knocked out that game too. Or right. Oh, the cat. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the first time I was at an Oilers game. And Pretty good one to go to, game, Noah, so. for sure. Yeah, it was a good one to go to. But yeah, that's it. Thanks. Thanks for calling. All right. That is Noah, 780-496-0063. Uh, really enjoying hearing from you guys tonight. We'll get to some more of your feedback. One of my colleagues here at 630 Chad will have his story. Shay Ganim is coming up, and uh, we're also scheduled to be joined by Damon Allen between 730 and 8 tonight. It's Inside Sports on Chad.